Thank you for joining us. Remember, you can watch our services live and view our archive at StevensCreekChurch.com, the Stevens Creek app, or on our Roku channel. And if our ministries have touched your life, we'd love to hear about it. Send us an email to mystory@stevenscreekchurch.com. We hope today's message encourages and inspires you. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning and welcome to Stevens Creek Church. And let me say, Happy Easter! Uh, uh, today we're here to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is the single most important event in all of human history. And that's why 2.3 billion people around the world will be celebrating Easter this weekend. And look, I understand this. You could have been a lot of different places um, today, but you chose to be here. And I just want to say thank you, and I really appreciate you being here. I appreciate you uh, making it through the traffic and, uh, and all the ordeal it takes just to be here. And I just appreciate all those in the video venue and those watching online. And uh, as a pastor's heart, thank you. I, I really, I'm sincere in that, really appreciate it. You know, I like to start with something funny. I heard about these two pastors that was on the side of the road right near a big curve, and they had signs up. And one of them had a sign that said, um, the end is near. And the other one had a sign that said, turn around before it's too late. In fact, I think somebody took a picture of those guys. Here they are. And so, so they were there, and this guy in a sports car drove by there, rolled down his window and said, you idiots, and then sped off. They looked at each other, and a few minutes later, they heard the screeching tires, and then they heard this big splash. They looked at one another and said, you know, maybe we need to change these signs to say, the bridge is out. <laughs> well, this week, I'm going to talk to you about a bridge. And some of you are saying, wait a minute. Why are you talking about a bridge on Easter? I thought Easter was all about the cross and about the tomb and about the resurrection. Well, I believe that Easter is about a bridge. You say, wait a minute, I thought it was about Easter baskets and Easter um, bunnies and Easter candy. Over the next few minutes, I want to talk to you about an Easter bridge. Because Easter is all about a bridge. So let's get started. Why do people build bridges? Why do people build bridges? Well, when you think about it, bridges are very dangerous to construct. They're expensive to build and they're costly to maintain. So why do we build bridges? We build bridges so that we can get from where we are to where we want to be. So get from where we are to where we want to be. A bridge will get us over to the other side. I'll never forget when I was like seven years old, my parents uh, took us on vacation to the Florida Keys, and we went through Marathon, Florida. And right after Marathon, Florida, there was the Seven Mile Bridge. I mean, we were as kids pretty excited because that at that time it was the longest bridge in America. And so you all you could see ahead of you is water, behind you there's water everywhere, and that was pretty pretty uh, special. But then years later, I got married, and Patty's from Louisiana. She said, Marty, she said. Florida doesn't have anything on Louisiana, and she uh, took us down to see their, her Cajun cousins, and, uh, and so we went across the Lake Pontchartrain Causeway. It is 25 miles of bridge over alligator-infested waters. Now, that's a bridge. That, that is a bridge. Uh, you know, bridges help 
us to get from where we are to where we want to be. Easter is all about a bridge because Easter spans the gaps between human beings and God. It spans the gaps between you and your creator. Now, it hasn't always been that way. When you go back to the very beginning and you read the story and understand the story of Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve were created and they were placed in the Garden of Eden. It was a perfect place. And God said, you can have control of the entire garden, anything you want to do, except there's only one rule. And that one rule was you cannot eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And if you do that, you're going to die. And so everything was going good. Everything was nice. Everything was perfect. And then one day, Eve was deceived by the serpent. And then Eve went to her husband, Adam. And together, they took other fruit and they ate the fruit. And when they tasted other fruit, they knew that they had done something wrong. This was the moment that sin entered the world. This is the moment when sin, when sickness, disease, germs, and ultimately death entered the world. You know, death is separation from, uh, literally means separation. So when Adam and Eve ate the fruit, they were separated from God as a result of their actions. So we are here, humans are here, and God is here. And there's this gap. And so, how do we get to God? Well, we try to build a bridge on our own. So we pick up the tools, we put on a hard hat, and and we go to work. And we have this thing in mind, that God is a good God. And if God is a good God, he must like good deeds. So we say, let's be good people and do some good deeds. So we start off in life and I'm going to be a good person. And then you marry a good spouse. And then you have some good uh, kids. And then you work to have a good career. And you do all this thing hoping that when uh, it's all said and done, you'll be a good enough person to make it to the other side. But how many good deeds do you think It'll take to get you over to the other side. Have you ever thought about that? Just very practically. I'm a competitive person. I I love uh, uh, to keep score. And I wonder, how many good deeds will it take? Does it it take maybe 75% good deeds to outweigh the 25% bad things that I do? Is that good? He said, well, that's good. But man, that's a little high. Well, let's just lower the bar a little bit. Let's lower. What if it only took 10% of good deeds for you to make it in. And so you're banking 10% good deeds, and so the time comes when you stand before God, and He is there tallying the score, and you've got your eyes on the leaderboard, and you're waiting for your name to pop up, and then boom, there's your name up there. And then you see your score, 9.99%. And you say, oh, I almost made it. I just needed one more good deed to tilt the scale. I should have bought those Girl Scout cookies. I should have helped the United Way out. I should have coached the Little League. I should have dropped a couple of dollars in the, in the bucket at church. But you didn't. You didn't make it in. Now, let's be honest. That doesn't seem right, does it? A system like that is flawed. 
The bottom line is, is that you and I cannot do enough good deeds to build a bridge to heaven. We can't get to heaven on our good deeds. This is the message of Titus chapter 3 and verse 5. It says, he saved us. What notice this? Not. He saved us not because of the righteous things we have done. He saved us not because we've done a lot of good deeds. And you're saying, wait a minute. You're rocking my world right now. You're saying that we're not saved by our good deeds? Really? What I'm about to tell you is the very thing that separates biblical Christianity from every other religion in the world. And I want you to listen to this because this is the reason that you are in church tonight, uh, today, and not at a mosque. And this is the reason you're at church and not at a temple. And you say, What's, what do you mean? Because you can summarize every other religion with one single word. You spell it D-O. Depending on what religion it is, it's all based on the things that you do to earn your way into heaven. And so you have to roll up your sleeves and you have to do a lot of things. Now, the message of Easter is different. It's opposite. It's an opposite plan. It is spelled also with one word. It is spelled with the word D-O-N-E, done. It's based on what Jesus has done. The Bible says that you can get into heaven by accepting what Jesus has done for you on the cross. You say, Jesus died on the cross. That's the message of Good Friday. Three days later on Sunday, he rose from the grave. That is the message of Easter. And that's why we're here. That when Jesus rose from the grave, he built a bridge. He paid for your ticket. He paid for your ticket in. You don't have to do anything. It has been done for you. That's why Easter is all about a bridge. That's why Easter is all about a bridge. Because on that Easter Sunday, Jesus built a bridge. Now, let's talk about the story of Easter. The story of Easter is told in all four of the Gospels. The Bible is divided into two sections, the first Old Testament section and then a New Testament section. In the New Testament, the first four books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, those are called the Gospels. The second book is Mark. We're going to look at that today. The story of Easter from uh, the Gospel of Mark, chapter 16. It says, when the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, bought spices so that they may go and anoint Jesus' body. So very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, uh, they were on their way to the tomb. And they asked each other, said, "Who, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled away. And as they entered the tomb, they saw this young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side. And and they were alarmed. And he said, oh, oh, don't be alarmed. He said, you're looking for Jesus the Nazarene who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. Now, last October, Patty and I had uh, a unique time to check something off of our bucket list. Many of you have bucket lists, and, and a lot of those include travels. Ours did, at least. 
And so we had always envisioned one day that maybe we would get to walk where Jesus would walk. We'd go to the Holy Land. After doing that, my only regret is we didn't do it sooner. But when I read this passage of Scripture, I think about walking in the garden. Here's a picture of the garden. And so uh, those ladies came into this garden here. And the tomb was over in this section here. I didn't get a good picture of the tomb. I guess I wasn't thinking about this service back then. Um, but so the tomb is over there. And then you, if you were to go into the tomb today, you can do that. And next, this is the tomb where they laid him. Of course, they've got bars there so that people won't um, touch it. And so this is where they laid him. So these ladies that day, they walked in to the garden when they walked into the garden, can you imagine what they were feeling? They were going to the tomb to anoint Jesus' body. So, which means that they are still thinking about what took place on Friday. They're still thinking about how Jesus uh, was whipped and beaten and scourged. They were thinking about the crown of thorns that they'd placed on his head. They're thinking about uh, him hanging on the cross in front of everybody. And so as they're walking into this garden, they're processing everything that they went through. And they're sad and uh, they're discouraged and, and they're, um, they're hurting as they walk in the garden. Maybe some of you walked into this building like that. That you walked into that, uh, the atrium today and you, you walked in and everybody's smiling and saying, Happy Easter, Happy Easter. But uh, behind that smile that you have, there's a sadness there. There's a hurt there. There's a discouragement there. There's a fear there. And some of you have come into this place carrying that and you are looking for answers and you're looking for hope. The disciples that day, they were looking for answers. They're saying, why? Why did this happen? Why was Jesus crucified? Where, why is his body missing? And those ladies walked into that tomb and they saw that, that angel there. And he said, you're looking for Jesus the Nazarene. Notice this. Who was crucified. Now we know this word was. That is past tense, right? That is some, indicates something that has happened. Jesus was crucified. But notice this. He is not here. That is present tense. Something changed here. It's, things are not the same. He was crucified. Things changed here. He is not here. He is risen. He is risen. Easter is all about a bridge. And when Jesus rose from the grave, he built a bridge. So we're here and God is here. And Jesus built a bridge in order to take us into the presence of the Lord. He built a bridge. And so when you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior... He will lead you into God's presence. And let me say this. When you do this, this is not just a one-time experience that you sign on a card and you get your ticket in. No, it's talking about, he's talking about a whole new life. In fact, there are at least four things that God wants to give you today that will make your life better. And so I think most of us, we're working to try to make our lives better, Right? So listen up, there are four things when we hear the message of Easter, there are four things that God uses this message to make our lives better. First of all, he, he gives us forgiveness. You can be forgiven of your sins. Okay, 
I want you to just quickly look down the row, both sides, look in front and back in the atrium, do the same thing. There's nobody here that's perfect. Look in the rows, look on stage. Nobody here. We're all, we've all sinned. We've all made mistakes. You, people look beautiful in this room, and you look beautiful in this room. You look beautiful in the atrium, but let me say this. None of us are perfect. None of us are perfect. So God devised a plan where we could get to heaven on somebody else's ticket. This is the message of Christmas. Let's go back a few months. Message of Christmas. Matthew 1 and 21 says, She'll give birth to a son, and you shall name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Jesus came to save us. So when we accept Jesus into our life as the Lord and the leader of our lives, he comes to save us. He, he wipes our slate clean. He gives us a brand new start. In fact, he makes everything new again, uh, new. This is the message of 2 Corinthians 5 and 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. So when you accept Christ, everything changes. That guilt and that shame, you are here and with your guilt and your shame, and God is there, uh, is here with forgiveness and peace. Just think about that. I said there's four things. Here's number two. You'll have clarity about your life. I think if you'll open your life to the leadership of Jesus, let him be your guide and uh, the one who directs your footsteps and you'll allow him to lead, you'll start to see things differently. It is like a fog lifts up uh, and, and that you can start to see. I see too many people who are really confused about their lives. They're so confused. And you say, Marty, how do you know? How do you know they're confused? Well, I can just listen to the questions they're asking. And they're asking questions like, well, why don't my plans work out? Or, or why are relationships so difficult? What's the purpose of all of this? Why is this, you know, when you start to hear questions like that, it's questions that let me know they're confused. Why is somebody confused? Somebody's confused because they're not in tune with the Lord at that point. You say, how can you say that? Really, how can you say that? It's evident because the Bible says that God is not a God of confusion, but God is a God of peace. And so he didn't want you to be confused about your life. Here's the point. You can fill in the blanks. Uh, life is more confusing the further you are from God. Life is more confusing the further you are from God. And if you want to see clearly, get close to him. The further you're away from God, the more confused you're going to be about your relationships. The further you're away from God, the more confused you're going to be about uh, your, your career and your family and maybe your past, your future. Why? Because the further you're away from God, the more you're into confusion because God is not a, a God of confusion. God is a God of peace. You, so you've got confusion here, you've got drama here, and you've got peace and contentment here. Easter is all about a bridge. And God wants to give you clarity. Here's the third thing. God wants to give you power. He wants to give you power. He wants to give you inner strength. We talk about that a lot, don't we? That inner strength, that inner fortitude. 
He wants to give you power for living. Uh, life can be very tough. We, we live in a broken world. Ever since Adam and Eve made that decision, uh, it broke things. The world has been broken, and we've been living under a curse since that time. And so this world is filled with stress and pressure. More than likely, many of you have had stress and pressure throughout this week. Some of you, the most pressure-packed moments of your week happened just about an hour ago. Seriously. When you're trying to get a, a group of folks ready and in the car, and somebody is saying, I'm in the car, I'm in the car, we're going to be late, and, and then um, you're really not late. You get here 20 minutes early, but you're stuck uh, on Stevens Creek Road for 20 minutes, and you are late. I'm so sorry. <laughs> but that's pressure, isn't it? That's stress because we have this mental image about how everything should happen in life. And many times, my mental image about how things should unfold and happen in life is not the same as reality. And when that becomes not the same as my reality, then I, I build this pressure. And oftentimes the enemy comes with this pressure and this stress, uh, and it's unreal, uh, but yet I buy into it, and it becomes that. And, and what I discover is, is I need a power that's greater than myself. I need strength to get through this. And, you know, Jesus said it very clearly. He said, I've told you these things so that in me you'll have peace. Hear that. In Christ, you will have peace. In this world, the world we're living in, the broken world, what's going to happen? You will have trouble. That's why. You will have trouble. But take heart, be at peace, because I have overcome the world. How did he overcome? That is when he rose from the grave. That, that's what that's pointing to. I have overcome the world. And so that's why he comes in through the message of the cross, said, I'm going to give you strength. I'm going to give you power. And that's why scriptures like Philippians 4 and 13 mean so much to me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's one of those verses that you need to circle in your Bible. You probably need to put it on the dashboard of your car. Maybe put it on a little block uh, on your desk at work to remind you that, yes, you can do this. You can get through this. This mess that you're in, you can get through this. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to be painless. Um, and so I just want you to understand, God's going to take those problems and those difficulties, and he's going to turn them around, and he is going to bring something good out of it. So don't give up and don't despair. You're going to get through it. Well, here's what you need to do. Put one foot in front of the other. Get up tomorrow. Face the issues. Deal with the problem. And I want you to operate from a posture of victory. So many times we operate from a posture of defeat. I want you to operate from a posture of victory and walk in his power and walk in his spirit and you will get from where you are to where you need to be or where God is. I said there's four things. Here's the fourth one. Now, sometimes this one makes us a little bit nervous and uneasy because I want to talk to you uh, about the gap between this life and the gap between the next life, okay? So the fourth thing, he, you can find eternal life. You can find eternal life. Now, we don't like to talk about eternal life because that means somebody's got to die. 
Have you ever noticed how we're always shocked that somebody died? I mean, really, can you believe it? Can you believe so-and-so died? Let me just tell you a little insight, okay? You know that the death rate has always hovered right around 100%. Right around it. Not quite, not quite 100%. Because there were two people in the Old Testament, Enoch and Elijah, that they didn't die. They were translated. Um, But for most of us here who are not walking like they walked, um, we're going to die. And it shocks us because, you know, we have this low-grade denial going on inside of us thinking, well, it's going to happen to somebody else, but it's not going to happen to me. And so we carry that. Now, we don't verbalize that because people will think you're crazy. But we believe that and we live that. We have this low-grade denial. And part of what drives us is that we're nervous because we're not exactly sure what's going to happen on the other side. And so we don't really want to think about that. So we just push it aside and say it's not going to happen. Because we wonder, well, we're not exactly sure what's going to happen, and we don't know what we think about God and Jesus and the church and Christmas and Easter and heaven and hell, all those kind of things. We say, well, we don't get that. We don't understand that. And so we say, well, it's just not going to happen to me. But it is. And so the real question is, if you were to die today, do you know where you would go? That's not a trick question. That's not a question to make you feel pressure or to manipulate your thinking. That's just a realistic question. Hey, do you know? Because I think you can know. I do. And you don't have to wonder where you're going to spend eternity. You ever been watching sports, maybe a football game, or, or maybe several years ago at the Masters, uh, Augusta National, there's uh, somebody wearing a shirt that has these numbers 316 on it. You know, maybe you've seen Tim Tebow, he's got these black lines, you know, then you'll see those numbers 316. Maybe you shop at, at uh, Forever 21. I read that they had that on the bottom of their bag. They hadn't been there yet. Maybe this could be a new week for me. <laughs> and so... What does that mean? Well, that points to a Bible verse. John three sixteen, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Now look here. It said God so loved the world. Now let's just do something. Let's just cover up the word world right here. And let's just put a, a blank line here. And uh, I want you to make this personal. I want you to put your name in that blank line. So God so loved, my name is Marty, God so loved Marty, uh, Patty is my wife, God so loved Patty, uh, God so loves uh, Amber, and he loves Jennifer, and God loves James, and God loves George. Whatever your name is, God so loved you that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Do you realize that God loves you? Do you realize that? That God created you. God created you to love you. God created you to love you, and he simply wants you to love him back. That's the message of Easter. God created you to love you, and he simply wants you to love him back. He wants you to be a part of his family. And that's why... He built a bridge. 
That's why Jesus came. You see, we are here and God is here. Our guilt, our shame, our mistakes are here. Love, forgiveness, and eternal life are here. So how do we get from where we are to where God wants us to be? Jesus is the bridge. And he's asking us to take a step. And we take this step, we call it a step of faith. And we step across the bridge. And we do this in faith. When we step across the bridge in faith, here's what is happening. It is like God is reaching down his hand to Jesus. And Jesus holds the Father's hand. And then Jesus takes his hand and reaches down to us. He brings us and reconciles us with the Heavenly Father. He reconciles us with God. Now we're in his family and we're in his presence. Jesus is the bridge. That's the story of Easter. That's the message. The message is simply this. He has provided a way. He has paid for our ticket. And someone has said, well, if he's paid for our ticket, you know, what do I have to do? He's paid for it. Well, let me say this. It's like that he's paid for the ticket. He's paid for those badges, and he left them on the table. Unless you go to the table and and retrieve those badges, you're not getting in. Okay? Is that where we live? That's kind of where we live, isn't it? And so we've got to understand we've got to pick up the badge. We've got to pick up. We've got to receive the gift of the forgiveness of sin. It is there. It is paid for. But you've got to say, Jesus, I want to go. I want you to live in my life. And then you step. Take that step of faith. Well, I want you to do that. I don't want you to worry and be in fear about where you're going to spend eternity. More than that, though, I want you to have a better life now. I want you to have that power and that clarity. I want you to understand what it means to live in forgiveness. I want you to understand that you can have a hope that, yes, the world uh, is in trouble, but there's uh, a better day coming. So today, will you take that step? To you in the atrium, I know there's a lot of things moving around out there and a lot of noise in there, but I just want you to listen to me. Will you take that step? Will you just say, Jesus, I accept what you've done for me. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Will you do that? If you'll do that, I believe that your life will be changed. I'll never forget my life was changed on, on Easter Sunday, 1968. And I've, I've always be, uh, I've never, never been the same since that day. It, yours can be changed too. I'm going to uh, give you an opportunity to pray, and I want you to just bow your heads. And I know the concept of prayer is just uh, maybe foreign to some of us, but I'm going to lead you through this. And so you can bow your heads, and uh, no one looking around. I'm just going to ask you a question. How many of you have heard this message and say, Marty, you're speaking to me, and today I want to give my life to Jesus? Very quickly, just slip up your hands all over this room. Yes, yes, all over this room. Still more. Those in the atrium, I want you to slip up your hands. Yes, today is your day. Today is your day. You can put them down now. I want to pray for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, touch these people right here that have been bold enough and courageous enough to raise their hands.
Now, I want to ask you to join in this prayer. I want you to pray this. Say, Jesus, save me. Forgive me of my sins. Say that. Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Now, I want you to say this. Say, Jesus, make me into the kind of person that you would have me to be. I give you my life. And I receive the gift of the forgiveness of sins. In Jesus' name. Now, Father, we pray that prayer, and I ask that you would do as only you can do. Lord, I pray not only for them, but I pray for all of the families that have come into this room today. I pray that you would give us strength. I pray that you would give us encouragement. I pray, God, that you would fill us with joy. We thank you for what you're doing, and we receive your blessings. And everybody said, amen, amen, amen. Thanks for listening. If you would like to help support the ministries of Stevens Creek Church, please go to stevenscreekchurch.com and click the Give button. See you next time.